Today on Don't Look Under the Bed, Nikki and I shine the spotlight on two hospitality professionals from the UK. That's right. Our guests today are joining us from London. Please enjoy the show. Also, we ask that you subscribe, share, and comment. Thank you for your support. Don't Look Under the Bed goes international, and we are delighted to welcome our guests from the UK, Sarah Cattell, chef, hospitality expert, and podcaster. Also, we have with us Timothy R. Andrews, hospitality consultant, vlogger, and podcaster. They host a podcast from across the pond titled, Timothy, put the Cattell on. Please welcome Sarah Cattell and Timothy R. Andrews. Hello, thank you for having Hello. us. Hi, Robin. Welcome, welcome. So I found you on LinkedIn and uh, I love your posts and I love the podcast. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is similar to what we're doing here in the US in terms of our podcast, highlighting um, good news relative to the industry, um, positive stories, fun stories. And I reached out to you and you were so gracious to accept our invitation. And uh, we're happy to have you with us today. So please share with us, Sarah, you can start first and give us your uh, hospitality journey. Yeah, sure. I mean, I you said you said gracious in accepting your offer there. Actually, Tim and I were a bit like, wow, this is amazing. Someone from across the pond wants to talk to us. This is so exciting. And also turning the tables on us. We're usually the ones doing the interviewing. So this is quite quite new for us. Um, and I'm already feeling a bit starstruck. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, the great thing, actually, that, that I wanted to say to you guys about when you reached out to us was, you know, when when the pandemic hit and this all started, we all felt like as as individuals in hospitality that you know we're kind of in this boat and the storm's coming at us and we're on our own and we've got to keep afloat and then as Tim and I started reaching out to other people we were like oh we're gonna need a bigger boat you know we're all in this big ship together and I, I do love a, an analogy with ships so bear with um <laughs> and then I realized actually when you guys reached out to us this isn't just a ship this is some massive cruise liner on the ocean we're all in it together there's this storm battering us but we're keeping each other going and we're just waiting for those people to come and join us as passengers and I can't wait for it all to get back to normal so that's you know that's that's kind of just what I wanted to let you know how I was feeling about us linking up which I think is amazing um but actually I started in hospitality really young as a lot of people did um I grew up in a seaside town where the mainstay of the economy was hospitality people used to come as tourists and so every summer you know we were deluged with all these people going to the beach and they had to get drinks and food somewhere so I worked in pubs um local restaurants and bars um and absolutely loved every minute of it it was always always awesome and then I made that mistake in my 20s of going into an office job um and I realize that as a mistake now but when I was training to be an accountant I would sit there every day wondering oh what's for dinner where am I going to go tonight which bar am I going to go to that was more important and that's when I realized you know what I'm not going to be an accountant for the rest of my life I'm going back into hospitality so that's when I went and set up a catering company and that's how I got back into it and that's how I met Tim Wow, that's an amazing story. And I think with with pe with us and people like us, because at the end of the day, we really are all the same. Our love of service, our love of people, and that's just, it's universal. It's you true. know, we're sitting here in Texas, you're across the pond in London, 
but that feeling, that love of taking care of other people is absolutely universal. It's a great, great, great way to look at it. Um, Tim, why don't you go ahead and tell us about you and how you got things started? Well, firstly, thank you both ladies for inviting us. It's so exciting. And actually, I have to say, I was a bit like, how's it going to be on the other side? You know, normally I'm the one <laughs> asking the questions with Sarah. So um, now I know what it feels like. So thank you for that uh, privilege. <laughs> uh, my hospitality journey, I, I, I'm a later starter. Um, I actually studied to do law, um, passed my degree, went on to law school, and it was at law school that it suddenly hit me that actually I would rather be having a beer or I'd rather be going to a restaurant or I'd rather be doing something else like that. So after a few one-sided heated discussions with my parents, shall we say, <laughs> um, I then sort of jacked in law school and went and worked in hospitality. I basically fell into hospitality at the beginning, uh, worked in bars, worked in the West End, so Soho, which is quite a cool, funky, or was in those days, a cool, funky area in London. And worked my way up, became bar manager, became a general manager for two bars, two cocktail bars. And then I became um, membership manager for a private members club based in Soho as well. And it was at that point, I noticed that all my friends were doing week, uh, were free at weekends and I wasn't. And uh, I thought, hang on a minute, I've got lots of money. That's because I'm not going out or I know people. And of course, you know, you get things a bit cheaper when you're working for <laughs> the same industry. So, um, and then one of my customers actually ran a recruitment company and it was a hospitality recruitment company. So I thought, oh, brilliant, Monday, Monday to Friday, nine to five, brilliant. So I then worked for him and haven't worked a Monday to Friday, nine to five ever since, because so hospitality recruitment is still hospitality. Uh, I then set up my own business, uh, hospitality recruitment, and then a training business. And I kept working on some, with some of my hospitality clients at the time, just to keep my foot in the door. So I knew what was going on rather than just sort of become more office and more office. Uh, was often involved in the training, updating it as well. Um, and then in, 2020 uh business disappeared within five days 100 of my business just like that and it wasn't the best time so i'm not going to dwell too much on that um but during that process it was very difficult because anybody that i would call for a solution or how do i fix this what can i do they were calling me for help at the same time and there was no one available and it was just this pure terror I think is the word like nobody really knew what was going on whether their jobs were secure they still don't of course and everywhere we were looking and this is what how Sarah and I sort of created the podcast is everywhere we were looking in the press it was all the media was just doom and gloom the hospitality's devastated everybody's there's no hope it's not going to ever come back and it was all like that even the hospitality press and yet Sarah and I knew that people were doing things like the hospitality people are very creative very resilient and were creating things or, or doing good stuff and we thought we need to be a voice in this 
And that is where the podcast came about. We thought, actually, let's start telling people about the good news that is happening and some of the things that people in hospitality are doing. And it's been an incredible journey. It was supposed to be six episodes of me and Sarah just talking about the industry and talking about stories. By episode three, we had our first guest on and it just keeps growing and changing. And it's it's been a wonderful, as I'm sure you ladies have found, a wonderful process because you get to speak to people you don't necessarily always get to speak to. And you really know what's happening in the industry. And it's not what it's, it's saying in the press. I would totally agree with you. Nikki and I, we talk every day um, since we were laid off and we commiserate it together and you know we're just like oh i did five resumes today i mean five uh applications today and i got four rejections today or i got whatever so we thought we would expand that to hear other people's stories it's like what's going on with you are you experiencing the same thing does it take you literally an hour to fill out an application and do all the assessments that are required um, is your resume up to date how many resumes do you have um, so we started having those conversations with each other and then opening a, it up to other people just to figure out what's going on a lot of our colleagues have um, pivoted into other industries so we're interested to speaking with them as well and as you mentioned people are very creative um, they've taken on different businesses and doing things to sustain, you know, themselves so that should this ever happen again, you know what, I have a job that's, that's sustaining my lifestyle and taking care of my family. So I totally understand. We're enjoying um, producing the podcast. It's so much fun. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy researching and finding folks to come on. And when I saw you, I was like, oh my God, this is so cute. I love it. I love it with the kettle and the whistle. <laughs> play on sometimes words. a cat. <laughs> yes, the play uh, on actually, words and, and everything. I, I just, I was fascinated and I absolutely love it. So it was the, 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 the kettle was actually somebody, one of our listeners recorded the kettle um, or his kettle and created a theme tune um, for us, which we've subsequently changed um, because he liked our podcast. I mean, yes. it's amazing. And this yeah. guy's based in Poland, not even in our country. Wow. It's just, yeah. So. Yeah, that is so great. Cool. So what can you, what kind of advice can you give us new fledgling podcasters? What can you give us in terms of a suggestion, recommendation, ideas? I think when we first started, I mean, Tim and I had never done a podcast before. We were both used to speaking in public a little bit. Um, obviously when we're together, we just chat, 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 and it's fun. Um, when you're being recorded, I think you're just you're you're aware of it first of all, and it takes a while to relax into knowing that everyone's listening. But mm. as soon as you forget that and you just remember, I'm me, and if people are tuning in, they want to hear me, so I just yeah. got to be me. I think that's when it gets easier, and that's when it becomes like a hundred percent more fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm you're absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry. You're absolutely right there. Um, it's so funny as we listen back to the shows. I find myself laughing at us. Or I'll have a friend that will comment and say, you know, you're, you're just, you know, they're like, you guys are just out there and you're talking. And I always try to remember that this is my life right now. 
this is where we are. You know, almost a large percentage of everyone that I know, we're all doing the same thing. We're all in the same boat while we're all hopeful that things will change and turn around. But to me, it's very rewarding to be able to give a feeling of comfort out there for others that to know that it's not just you. You know, I, I get those as soon as you hit send 15 minutes later, thank you, but no emails. That's that's the reality of where we are right now. So being able to provide a voice of comfort for others, that's that's been a great, great feeling. Do you miss the laughter, Nikki? Because I miss the laughter every day of being around people because I think every job in hospitality I've had, there's probably not 15 minutes go by when we're not laughing at something. Absolutely. And it's it's so funny. One of my, because uh, I do keep in touch with my team that I worked with and we'll say, wow, if we were at work, we'd still be looking for breakfast. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or wow, you know, it's three o'clock, we'd have coffee by now. And it's it's all those things. And even on the birthdays, you know, I would, I'll send somebody a text message the night before their birthday. And I go, I'm here late. I'm decorating your desk. And I miss that too. That you take for granted, but you definitely miss. And, you know, we, um, we often joked about, um, we called it hot boxing, where we would go and eat out of the banquet uh, warmers. And <laughs> should you be saying this? <laughs> Is this allowed? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I always said when I left, they were going to keep my last check to pay for all the things I did. <laughs> I think the advice I would give is I love your podcast. It's so it's just such a bundle of joy. Thank That's you so I much. Like I agree. It's just laughing and but you're listening and you're hitting hitting some, some serious issues as well um and but it, it's your laughing makes me laugh when I listen to it and I think you know and I think that's people have said something similar about ours mm-hmm. so I mean ours are edited obviously because we try and keep it a, sh- a shorter size um, ours are edited because we edit out about 100 hours of laughter that's why <laughs> yeah there's, there's a lot so the, the one that's just come out you have no idea it's about an hour um and I think I edited about 34 minutes of laughter (laughs) so so it was quite a lot of so but yeah I my advice is you you be yourselves you know um you've got to be flexible different guests are different Mm -hmm. you know we've had different experiences so far touchwood we haven't had anybody who we have to really draw the answers out of Mm -hmm um but you know it, it's it's a discussion and as long as people know it's discussion and like sure. Sarah said once they get over their nerves you can't really stop them yes. <laughs> so, it's true and people love to hear true. themselves I found that too so most of the people that I invite on um they're like oh my god that's so cool I think you know and then when they hear themselves after the fact they're like oh my god that was so much fun <laughs> That's the main oh, feedback yeah. we get was thank you. It was fun. And that, yeah. to us, that, that's what it's all about because we try to make everyone feel comfortable. Yes. And that's, that's why there is all the laughter, but also people like us in our industry, you know, once we start talking, we're all about talking. We communicate with people every single every day. Single of course day. we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about 
what's going on in London. Are you still on lockdown? Have any of the restrictions been lifted? What's happening now? Shall I answer this, Sarah? Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, um, we are in lockdown. Um, we are, we have a ro- what's called a roadmap now, which are dates that we will be unlocking, but it's gonna be slowly, slowly, slowly. So at the end of the month, um, people will be able to see um, relatives in what they call a bubble or friends if you're isolated. Um, and then gradually things will unlock. Um, it's April the 12th, I think um, hospitality will be allowed to open outdoors. And the idea is that by June the 21st, um, all restrictions will be off, but there are no guarantees. These are the earliest that these dates will be. Um, there is obviously a lot of worry in hospitality at the moment because some businesses, some businesses will just not get, get there. However, um, the government has offered a lot of support to our industry in terms of furloughing schemes and, and loans but unfortunately the loans need to get paid back and so I think that's partly kicking the can down the road um, mm. and we'll see but yeah we're, if you know we've had an incredible uh, vaccination program we're getting faster and faster and of course as people are becoming more immune to the to or less likely to become ill due to COVID then we're able to open restrictions and I think in terms of Europe and the US as well we're way ahead of anybody else um so yeah it's it, it's starting to feel like conversations are happening within hospitality like there's movement where we've been still for so long people are now starting to plan and look to the future and that that in itself is exciting if not obviously a cautious excitement yeah one of the issues we have is that they they've decided to open up um, outdoor hospitality first but I don't know if you've been to London but it's a small city where having outdoor space is a luxury for either you know an individual or for a business there's a lot of businesses that that just cannot open um, when hospitality can open first of all because they don't have a garden some pubs don't even have a beer garden here um, a lot of restaurants don't have outside space and if they do it's you know a small part of their demise at the front of say a coffee shop if you had you know 25 tables in your coffee shop you might have two tables outside well it's not worth opening for two tables outside wow well we have uh here in texas we opened up nikki what two weeks ago to 100 percent Yes. Occupancy in the restaurants and um, everything is open now. Because And now it's, I think it's spring break for a lot of people now here. So the schools are out and colleges are out for spring break. So everybody is running around everywhere. And initially I was like, okay, I'm not going to leave the house still for another year because I don't want to be out there <laughs> with... <laughs> you know, with everybody, you know, I'm certainly not going to go sit in a restaurant with anyone right now, but I will still go to the supermarket and things like that. We have some outdoor malls and, you know, for shopping and things like that, but we're open a hundred percent. Also last week, they mentioned that this is the highest um, airline travel in a year. So people have, people are, yes, people are everywhere everywhere so florida obviously vegas is opening back up slowly i think las vegas is up to 50 percent now um but 
America is open. <laughs> so. That's huge. That's yeah. such huge news yeah. though. But yeah. are you saying that people are a little more cautious still? Um, when I go out, people are still wearing their mask and they don't have to because they've lifted the mask mandate here in Texas. But I still wear one. Uh, people still wear them in restaurants and uh, the stores. But People are out. They're out. They're out at the park. People are traveling. Um, people are getting in their cars. They're staying at hotels. Um, so, and people are also getting vaccinated. So I've had my, I've, I'm fully vaccinated now. And we have, I don't know how many million per week that are being vaccinated here in Texas. Right. So it's, you know, and, and, and the other thing that, um, shows some hope is that people are being called back to work. So I've had two or three friends that have been called back to come to the hotel um, to work starting like April, April 1st or something like that. So what's the, what's the feel about, how do people feel about it? Is this like a positive thing, a scary thing? Somewhere it's positive. People are, people are going stir crazy and they are ready to get out. They're ready to get out. They're ready for their children to go back to school and um, the only thing that, that there's some hesitation, there are the corporations that have not, um, figured out how to safely get their people back into the office. So since everybody's zooming in and doing teams and, and, you know, all the meetings online, it's like, why do I need to go back into an office? So I would say those people that lease office spaces, they're a little bit, um, they're probably a little bit frightened that they're not going to be able to get rent for their um, for their office space. Currently, um, they were about ten to twenty percent, ten to twenty five percent occupied in the offices downtown, and those were primarily you know IT people and things like that. But most workers are still at home and zooming. Zooming yeah, I in. think that's the biggest change we're going to see here as well is, you know, with hospitality, I guess we're lucky in that respect is that, yes, you can get takeout and get it delivered to your home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we've been doing that before. That's nothing different. Yeah. It's nothing new. That's not a major change in our lives. It's just yeah. that we just had to do it rather than choosing to do it. Right. But actually, if you're given the choice you know, do you want to sit at home and eat a pizza and pour your own drink? No, <laughs> you no. want to go somewhere where someone cooks you a better pizza and pours your drink for you. That's, yeah. that's kind of how we feel about it. Yeah, I'll have to send you some photos um, when I go out today and I'll show you the outside patios that we have um, at the restaurants and they are packed. They are packed <laughs> to capacity. Me. This pleases me because that's a really good thing for us and for us mm -hmm. in the UK mm -hmm. because we don't, there's so much sort of concern about it, but maybe actually we're going to have the 100% as well. I mean, that'd be wonderful. What a great kickstart. Yeah, it would be. I mean, the great thing for you guys, I think your weather's a bit kinder. And I think, you know, when the government have <laughs> yeah. said to us, hey, open outside. I mean, my just thought, thought was, wow, love your optimism, but the weather, you know. <laughs> Although you we, have to wear we don't layers. have layers. <laughs> yes. yeah. We don't have snowmageddon. So, um, <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> part one or part two. So. <laughs> this so tell me about the hospitality academy the hospitality academy is basically um it's now five it was originally four five government funded or eu european union funded projects and the whole purpose of it is to rebuild 
hospitality, essentially in London, the idea is if it's successful, it will then go out um, and be rolled out nationwide. Uh, it's led by a company called Renova, who are a social enterprise. Uh, but basically, it, it's based on three tiers. And what, the first one is to go to schools. It's really important to engage schools and career teachers and teachers and parents, particularly about hospitality as a go-to career. Because people, I, I don't, I'm not sure it's the same in the US, but certainly in the UK, it's not viewed as a proper career by a lot of people. Um, unless you're in hospitality, um, and of course people in hospitality love hospitality. That's why they're in hospitality. But um, people outside of it that don't know it have this kind of filter that it's very low paid, it's long hours, and of course, in the entry levels, it does tend to be like that. But of course, there's that buzz. But as you, but you can progress very quickly. People fail to realize that they fail. You could work to realize you could work anywhere in the world if you've worked in hospitality. You know, if I was a hotel manager and I thought, Do you know what, I might want to go and meet these ladies in Texas, and we're going to go and work in a hotel together. It's theoretically possible. You know, somebody has to be the general manager of the Ritz Hotel in London. Somebody had to do that. Somebody's had to work their way up. You could go and work in Dubai. You could work in London. You could work pretty much anywhere. And the skills that you get are for life. And so what we're trying to do is we're getting employers, um, hospitality employers, to engage with the schools, to do projects with them, to mentor them. And actually, Sarah and I did a project together called Pan Out, which um, was specifically school-based. Um, and we ran competitions, we did like street food competitions where the children had to um, but do budget, profit and loss, they had to design the logos, they had to choose which boxes the food would go in for the street food, they had to design a mocktail, um, they had to obviously create the recipe, cook the food, and then they had to sort of present it to judges. Now, Sarah, who won you at that competition? I mean, is it a good time to mention that my team won? I mean, I don't like to talk about it. Um, but yeah, my team won. <laughs> Every time. Anyway. <laughs> There's no point being coy about it anymore. That is great. <laughs> he won. Um, and what was wonderful, great example of, of how beneficial these um, this project was and what we're repeating, but in a much more innovative way, is... Um, I mean, do you want to talk about the, the two girls that that you partnered with? Yeah, so. sure. I mean, because the, the way that the um, the competition ran was that um, there were people like me coming from the industry and we were mentoring a team. So some of the teams had two, three, and I think one of the teams had four boys in it. And that was the largest team, depending on, you know, how free the kids were and how much the school could free up their students to be involved. And I mentored a team of two uh, young women now, um, both at university. Um and they were in their sixth form, which I guess is uh, sort of uh, 16 to 18 A-levels, as we call it. Um, and um, they were both quite shy. Um, neither of them um, had worked in, in hospitality as youngsters. They didn't have part-time jobs in it like I'd had when I was young. Um, but both of them came from homes where food was very important. And also where education was very important, but nobody had really put the two together for them. And that's the issue we have in the UK is that um, when you when you talk to a careers advisor, they generally tell you what they still what they told me 20 years ago, which was, um, oh, right. Yeah. So your options are, you know, you can be a nanny or you can go in the army. Um, and those the advice given 
doesn't really point anyone towards a great career in hospitality. So these these two wonderful young women, they they didn't know what was out there for them, and they learned all of this. And they they were shy, um, you know literally as we say in England wouldn't say boo to a goose you know they were really shy um they didn't like to speak up for themselves um they were confident in their own way but they just didn't know how to put it out there Uh, and by the end of it they were giving presentations they were cooking um you know for other chefs they were talking to the mayor of the town and telling them exactly what they were doing um with no hesitation and it was a beautiful thing to see how they'd grown and how much they'd learned and although one of them has gone to study medicine um and the other one has gone to study law uh, they have both said that um, they still want a career um, maybe in those areas, but they are seriously considering taking those skills they've got into hospitality as a career as well, which is wonderful for us. Yeah, it was a really good experience. And actually, that was a process of six weeks. So we had two ladies that couldn't look an adult in the eye six weeks later are presenting to a room full of 50 strangers and press and cracking jokes. Um, it was a wonderful experience. But I just also want to also talk about the remaining two tiers of the, the academy, if I may. Okay. Um, the second one is, um, the second tier is to get unemployed people or people that are looking into hospitality to train them in the skills that they need to start their job off properly. So they've got a good base. Mm-hmm. And the third one is for people that are already working in hospitality. So I don't know what it's like in the US, but in, particularly in the UK, there isn't a lot of, um, stuff for when people are actually in the job. It's great if you're before the job, but when right. you're in it, where yeah. do you get up trained? And if, and if it's not offered internally, say a Hilton or whatever, mm-hmm. or Marriott, then where, where, do you, where is this option available? And that's what we're focusing on. So we're literally going before you join, when you join, and when you're in it, we'll keep growing you, we'll keep upskilling you, we'll keep le- teaching you new skills. And of course, with... Uh, COVID and everything that's happened, teams are going to get smaller in hospitality when we yeah. first open. People are going to need to be upskilled. So if you might be originally just the front of house person, and I hate using the word just when I'm talking about people's roles, but please accept that I no, can't find we another understand, one. understand, totally. If yeah. you're just the front of house and that's been your role and you've just worked in back of house, if some, now the team's small, if somebody's off sick, we might need to pull somebody out of the kitchen to go and serve. But if you haven't trained them, it could lead to all sorts of disasters. And that's the point. So it's all about benefiting the employee Mm -hmm. as well as the employer. And the whole purpose of the academy is that we can build a qualification or framework which employers can work within communicating with each other, networking, swapping staff over to help upskill going to another premise to teach you about what you're good at. So if you're really good at front of house, then we'll go and help you train your front of house, that kind of thing. And that's what it's about. And so the timing was difficult when it was first launched because there was no hospitality really. But now it's coming into its own. Now is the time that we can really, really rebuild hospitality step-by-step together. And that's really what we're about. Um, Yes, that's the Academy. That is it's a so really wonderful. unique time. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing for pre- preparing that next level of your hoteliers and your service people. And cross-training is so important. I think we've we've all learned that through the pandemic. And even when I was still working in the hotel and Robin, you know, we were doing all kinds of jobs mm-hmm. together. So 
cross training is definitely that's that's huge that's wonderful yeah before we wrap up please tell us where we can find the two of you well you can find me at www.timothyrandrews.com and you can find me at sarahkettel.co.uk perfect so sarah before we let you all go you have to tell us about these cookies Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So during lockdown, um, I, uh, just, just before, um, we went into lockdown, uh, I actually had a, uh, restaurant management position running events, um, at a small private restaurant in London. And the, uh, the head chef, Jessica was actually my neighbor as well. She lived in the same area. We'd become really close friends and we were working together and, um, we were volunteering together as well. So we were um, cooking for um, lots of people that needed feeding uh, during the pandemic. Um, and we had an email um, from one of our customers saying, guys, I really miss the cookies. Can you give me the recipe? So I called Jess and I went, uh, this guy wants the recipe for the cookies. You're like, yeah, sure, give him the recipe. So we gave him the recipe. And uh, we actually said, oh, we haven't had the cookies for ages. Let's make some cookies. So we made some cookies. Um, they really cheered us up. So then we started posting them to friends who we couldn't see just as like a care passage package, sorry, not a passage, a package. Um, so these care packages were going out to our friends and we were saying, we care about you, have some cookies. And there's no better way to say I care about you than cookies, right? That's the cookies is love. So <laughs> we, um, we started to post and we were like, hang on a minute, there's something in this. People are really digging this idea of cookies by post. Um, at the same time, we knew a lot of our friends who uh, had been laid off um, and were struggling to meet the bills were turning to our national hospitality charity called Hospitality Action. And they were in a total scramble to do fundraising and basically mobilized our industry, did a big shout out. And they're like, we need to raise funds for the people in our industry who need our help. So anyone who can help, help. And people did stuff like virtual marathons and, you know, riding a thousand miles on their bike and stuff like that. And we were like, what can we do? Oh, we can make cookies. Um, so we were working with surplus charities as well. So food surplus in the industry was huge because everywhere had shut and there were all these ingredients sat there doing nothing which were going to go off. So we started to get donations of um, food surplus um, that related to the cookie recipe. And then we could make the cookies pretty much for, for zero pounds because we didn't have to buy ingredients. And then we sold them online. We sent them out and we started giving, um, a proportion of our profits to hospitality action. So it gave us a little bit of pocket money so that we could just carry on living our standard of life. And it also helped other people in our industry. Um, it was a little lockdown project. We saw it running for, I don't know, maybe a couple of months. And obviously we didn't know lockdown would go on forever, which it has. Um, but actually we've, we've kept doing it and and now it's just its own little business in its own right we get you know a few orders a week and we send out these cookies to people and uh we still have money coming in where we can just give it straight back into our industry that is awesome you know what i want to thank you again for coming on today it's so lovely speaking with you all and we're going to stay in touch because i'd love yeah. to hear about the progress and what's going on um over in london and, you know, with travel, with hospitality, with you all. Nikki, any final thoughts? No, it, it has definitely been a pleasure today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. And Thank I think you. we'll this have to, awesome. we'll return the favor, I think, ladies. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you all have a great day. Yeah, you too. And we'll too. talk to you soon. You too. Thank you so bye -bye. much. Bye-bye. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay,
Thank you for joining us on Don't Look Under the Bed podcast. Please subscribe, like, comment, and tell a friend. We also encourage you to share your stories at stories at don'tlookunderthebed.org.